I want to talk to you today about a, a free grazer. I know that none of you ever watch Western movies like Open Range or any of that kind of stuff like that. You'll find them in the book of Genesis, chapter number 13. Uh, all of his life, he's been a nomad. All of his life, he's lived from tent to tent, place to place, wherever the grazing was best for his animals. And all of his life, that's all the life he's known. And I look at verse 10 of the book of Genesis chapter 13. And the Bible said in Lot, lift up his eyes, build all the plain of Jordan. It was well watered everywhere. Now watch this, before. Before the Lord destroyed, destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, that valley which was plush with vegetation and an absolute paradise to all that looked upon it before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. After Sodom and Gomorrah is now known as the lowest Elevation of any place on earth, 1,400 feet below sea level. Now is the runoff of the Dead Sea full of salt and ash and destruction. What you see is not what you always get. We read on. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan and Lot journeyed east and they separated themselves one from the other. And Lot dwelt in the land of Canaan. I mean, Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom was wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Our Father, today we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for grace. We thank you for salvation. We thank you that this world is not our home. We're just passing through. Lord, thank you for a hope that we have laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And so, Lord, we're thankful today for all you've done what you're doing and what you're yet to do in our lives. Teach us a lesson today, dear Lord, please, out of the book of Genesis. Help us today, Lord, to see the necessity of doing what you'd have us to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I would like also for you to look for me to the book of Genesis chapter number 19 now since you've seen this nomad who has a vision of material success, 
The Bible says in verse 1 of chapter 19 of the book of Genesis. Now watch this. The Bible said, and there came, and there, and there came two angels to Sodom at evening. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Now Lot no longer is looking out his tent door at Sodom. He's moved downtown. He's no longer listening to what's going on in Sodom. He's moved right in. Lot had become what's known as the mayor, the chief potentate, sitting at the city gate to welcome all visitors, to question all inquirers, to answer the questions of what's going on in Sodom. He's no longer a nomad. He's settled down. He's traded his tent for a house because he's not just a wayfaring stranger. He is permanently living now in Sodom. I wonder if maybe some of we Christians are living like we're going to stay here forever. I wonder maybe if we have not traded in the philosophy that we're just passing through. This world is not our home. But I wonder if maybe we think this is our permanent residence. Just question. You know, no, you didn't want to answer that. The Bible said, and he said, Behold, now the Lord's turning. I pray you unto thy servant's house. Tarry all night and wash your feet. I think that's a good deal over at my house. You go to my house, you need to wash your feet before you come in. Back when I was in evangelism, a lady told me, said, don't you step on my carpet with those shoes. I said, your carpet is cleaner than my shoes. Yes, it is. Get your shoes off. You can't come in this house without taking your shoes off. I said, ma'am, I've got holes in my socks. I said, I'm poor, and I've got a hole in my sock, and you want to embarrass me, even me take my shoes off to save your carpet. And so I walked around in the house with two big old toes sticking out my socks all that time. That's humility, folks. That is absolute humility. Verse 3, and he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned into him and entered into his house. He made them a feast and did break unleavened bread, and they did eat. Now, verse 4, but before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto them, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came they under the roof of my 
came under my roof. Well, everything in the world is not what it seems. Hmm? Let me ask you something. Did you ever think that a man who had fellowship with a godly man like Abraham and was raised in Abraham's home and was taught all the principles and all the morals of Abraham would sink so low as to offer his two daughters, virgin daughters, to weird homosexuals to do whatever they wanted to do. You say, that's low as low can get. He didn't start out that way. Let me say, he didn't start out that way. And you are accepting things today that 10 years ago was an absolute no-no. How far are we going to go till we wake up to the fact that we're on a downhill slide morally, spiritually, but thank God the economy's great. What's your daughter's worth? What's your family worth? Let's read on. Because I see right now you look like you're going to enjoy this. And they said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came in to sojourn and he will needs to be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them? And they pressed sore upon the man. Even Lot came near to break the door. And the men or the angels that was in the house put forth their hand, pulled Lot into the house to them and shut the door. And he smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, small and great, young and old, daddies and sons. See that? See that? Small and great, daddies and sons. You say, well, it won't make any difference where I live, really. Won't make any difference how I live, really. Make any difference what we watch on television, really. Makes any difference how old it is, when I give my kid a, cell, kid a cell phone so he can watch anything he wants to watch, won't make any difference. No, not at all, not at all, not at all. You've got that down pat. Verse 12, and the men said unto Lot, hast there here any besides, now watch this list, son-in-law, sons, and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in this city, bring them out of this place. For we will destroy this place. Because the city, because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. Do you think Lot needs an interpreter to understand what the angel just said? Well, it seems like I need an interpreter to interpret what I say every Sunday morning because most folk leave their hog pen to come to church and I preach on hog pens and they go right back to their hog pens. Right. 
preacher, you're going to make me mad. I know. And so the Bible said, And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-laws. How does your teenagers act when you tell them, Now this you ought not to do. This place you ought not to go. This music you should not listen to. We don't do that. How does your kids react to your principles? Just thought I'd lay that out. No, it don't have anything to do with the message. I just... And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of this city. And I saw this phrase and it broke my heart. And while he lingered, O lingering lot. It's like sitting in the living room with your house on fire and said, I'm in no hurry to leave. I wonder if maybe this is not a picture of of Christianity in the world. We bury our head in the sand like the provisional ostrich and allow folk to pump into our own living rooms garbage that buzzards would not eat. that God is directly opposed to unequivocally and we act as though we can get away with it. I wonder if maybe you've read 2 Peter chapter number 2 and Peter describes Brother Lot in very descriptive terms and I'd like to just read it for you. It's chapter two and I'm going to read verse number six, I guess it is. Let me show you what the Bible says. The Bible says, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample an example to those that afterwards should live ungodly. Now, can you and I read the book of Genesis chapter 13 and chapter number uh, 19 and learn anything about how God views wickedness, sinfulness, homosexuality, perversion, adultery, 
fornication, do we learn anything at all about what God thinks about that lifestyle? The only reason it was put in this book is for an example for you and I to see how God looks upon ungodliness and wickedness. You understand that? And it is not an acceptable lifestyle. It is a weird, ungodly lifestyle. And I don't care how politically incorrect, incorrect, or whatever you might say, it's still wrong. And God will judge it. And God will judge us that live that way. And the Bible says, now notice, the Bible said, and he delivered just Lot, a saved, washed in the blood of the Lamb, born again Christian, living in Sodom and Gomorrah. who vexed his righteous soul with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Verse 8, For this righteous man dwelling among them, in seeing and hearing, is that what it says? Vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Many would say, preacher, this is a Sunday night sermon, not at Joshua Baptist Church. To vex is to irritate. To vex is to tease. To vex is to trouble. All the Christians that throw open their morality to tease a righteous soul that has been saved by the grace of God and cover it up with contemporary Christianity. I don't care what you do that if you open yourself to what's going on in this world, you will irritate, you will tease, you will aggravate the righteous soul that is within you. You will not be comfortable in this world. I don't care how happy you think you'll become. Because when you got saved, you are a misplaced individual. You are not a citizen of this world. You have become a citizen of the world to come. And the devil is not your God and he is not your master and he will not give you peace and harmony. Only God can do that to the soul. Notice, if you would, please, and it disturbs me. I'd like to think I'm smarter than this. Here is a righteous man, saved, on his way to heaven, loves the Lord, and realizes that God is about to destroy this place, and he lingers. He professes to love God and believes everything the book says. 
and he lingers. Realizing that destruction is as evident as the word of God is sure. And yet, he's going to wait till next Sunday. He lingers. Realizing that his family is at stake. His kids are listening to the same dirty jokes about all kind of sexual activity down at Sodom. Realizing the influence that it might have on his wife. Realizing that this world is not for your home and your relationship. This world wants to destroy your home. And yet, he lingers. I can't imagine knowing the day that judgment is going to come and yet he lingers. Now that, that overwhelmed me to realize that the danger and yet he lingers. Believing that the Bible is true and that God is real, Christ died and salvation is free. And you linger. Not today. I'll do it tomorrow. Procrastination. A black preacher one time was preaching on procrastination. And when he got through preaching on procrastination, one of his parishioners came up and said, Reverend, would you please explain to me what that big word you were preaching about, procrastination. He said, ma'am, procrastination is the favorite doctrine of the Baptist church. Our Christianity kind of reminds me of the fellow who was going to the country to make a visit and a visit way out in the country knocked on the door lady came to the door and answered the door and the preacher was talking to the lady and all of a sudden there was a big old peacock went out underneath the floor and strutted and opened all them feathers and man he looked like he weighed 10,000 pounds. That preacher said to the lady, he said, ma'am, that is a magnificent, beautiful bird. And she said, yeah, <laughs> Just a lot of feathers don't represent a lot of meat. <laughs> How about your Christianity? Is our Christianity just a bunch of pretty feathers? I just... Here we see perfect example of a backslider. Proverbs 14, 14 says, 
for the backslider in heart is filled with his own ways. Can't see anybody else's. And here is a lingering Christian who wants everything the world has to offer. I was talking to a church member one day. He said, well, I haven't seen you lately. And he smirked and smiled and laughed and said, well, I don't know what that is. Don't ever put the microphone right next to your gun Every one of the, every one of the, once our security team, all of them went to the camera right then and there, all right. I was talking, and we're just home folks. We're not trying to impress you. And I was talking to a church member one time and asked him, I haven't seen you in a while. He said, no, and he smirked and laughed. He said, I guess I'm just a little backslid. Funny. Well, how funny it was to David when he looked into his eyes of his dead baby. And he said, David, what's wrong, son? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess. I just a little backslidden, I guess. Won't you know something? If you're living in Sodom, it ain't going, it's not going to be funny. Are you listening? One thing about this old world, it makes you want to linger, does it not? It wants to make you hang on to just a little bit more. Hmm? We don't want to turn everything loose. Dear God, let's just hang on a little bit. I guess maybe I just a little backslid. I can see old Samson manning huge, gigantic of a man. See him there with his hands tied behind him. Now his strength is gone and God has left. They have a campfire there. They got a red poker stuck in the deal like it brand, going to brand an animal. And it gets hot and red hot and white hot. It's hotter and hotter and hotter. That Philistine takes that poker out of the fire. Walks over to old Samson who lingered a little bit too long in the wrong places. (laughs) Just a little backslidden, I suppose. What are you going to do with that, that rod, that hot poker? Oh, I'm going to burn your eyes out. Listen to old Samson as he laughs about being backslid, about putting God on their back burner. Can you hear the glee as those penetrate his very eyeballs? A little, just a little backslid, I guess. 
Well, I could talk about Jonah making his cry out of the belly of hell. Seaweed wrapped about his neck, head bruised from flying up and down the rib cage of that dumb whale as it takes on water, smelling like leftover death, dear God. Jonah, how's it going? <laughs> I'm just a little backslid, I guess. Next time you laugh about being backslid, I hope you choke. After all what he's done for us, after all what he's done for you, after all the grace and the mercy and the love he's pitched in our direction, nothing funny about a Christian living in Sodom. Nothing. And yet, here's a Christian who knows the will of God, who realizes the judgment of God and realizes the grace of God, experienced the love of God and has a definite day when judgment will come and that sucker says, I got something else I need to do right now. You know, like this evening at 6.30 or maybe Wednesday at 7. I want to close. You say, why? Because I don't believe I can preach anymore and I don't think you can stand anymore. <laughs> I jot down in two things. Here's a Christian who lingers while his family suffers. Dad, if you could only hear the prayer that your wife has prayed. Wife, if you could only hear the prayer that your husband prayed. Dad, would it say anything to your boys and girls if you took them to Sunday school? I, I cannot, I, I don't like to brag on my wife because it goes strictly to her head immediately. She had a back-to-school uh, sleepover at our house. We've got four grandkids going to school this year down at Joshua Christian Academy. I'd, I have to give all their teachers a raise this year. They said they're not going to teach my grandkids because they're brats. <laughs> and my wife went someplace, I don't know where, and bought all the vestures to God's armor. I don't know where she got it. Helmet, sword, breastplate, the whole smear. Bought four of each kind. The problem was they're all the same color. And I was sitting in the living room and my wife sat down before all the grandkids and took the Bible and turned to the book of Ephesians and explained to my grandchildren 
Now that you're starting the school, you need to put on the whole armor of God. The helmet of salvation, gospel of peace, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit. I wept out of glee for a godly woman who's trying to instill at a little, little age biblical foundational principles that they can hang on to as the Sodom and Gomorrah of the world that we're living in as they pump it into our living room and throw it into our pocket in the form of a cell phone. Dear God, Lord, help us not to linger in the matter of allowing our families to be sucked down the tubes of this old world in which we live. Don't linger, Daddy. Don't linger, Mama. Don't do it. Lot lingered while his family suffered. He taught his wife, he taught his family well. Lot taught his family well. When he talked to his sons-in-law, they said, Oh man, you've traded your respect in for riches. Don't talk to me about God. You sound like a man that mocks. The daddy had taught the kids it's okay to drink. So in the latter part of the chapter, the two girls said, let's make daddy drunk. Let's make daddy drink wine so we can go in and commit incest to our own father. Whatever you do, wife, don't look back. God said if you look back, You'll turn to a pillar of salt. And Lot taught his wife just how important the thing to this world is. And this world had a great hold on Lot's wife. And she could not help from turning back and she turned to a pillar of salt. Don't linger. Jesus said, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Completely. Come out. I'm done. You said I'm glad. He lingered. Well, living down here in the world won't hurt anything. Ha! Don't hurt a thing in the world. When I was working as a tool and die maker, I tried to win everybody to the Lord. They hired out front. They'd hire somebody and they'd bring them back in the back. I'd corner them up someplace to try to win with the Lord. One fellow was a smart mouth fellow back those days I was too. He said, Preacher, if you'll tell me where at two or three beers will hurt anything, I'll get saved. I said, Well, Dale, I can't tell you that two or three beers will send you to hell. He said, you can't even tell me whether two or three beers will hurt. I said, no, I can't. Next day he came to work and his, had two black eyes 
and his nose looked like it had been through a sausage grinder. And I said, Daryl, what in the world happened to you? He said, you ain't going to believe this. I said, just try me. I'll, I've been around the block two or three times. <laughs> he said, I walked in my house last night and unannounced to me, my wife hit me right in the face with a great big old metal plate that we have in the house. Whap! Like just hit me right, knocked me smooth out. I said, uh, had you been drinking? He said, I had two or three. I said, did it hurt? <laughs> yeah, it hurt. Are you listening to me? I think we got a lot of folk lingering. Hmm? Love not the world, neither the things in the world. For any man love the Father, I mean love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Just go ahead, break the tie. Let God know whose side you're on. Let your kids know whose side you're on. Let your family know whose side you're on.